Joining us here today is none other than Nelwyn Cheng, ASN Kazanah scholar with an undying passion for Iron Man who battled on the undulating hills of insecurity like the rest of us. Today, he shares with us his journey on facing his insecurities and shifting negative perceptions on himself to forge a better mindset. Stay tuned to listen to his thoughts on arrogance versus confidence, imposter syndrome, and the roots of self-doubt. Hi everyone and welcome to Unfiltered Undergrads. I'm Nasr Alana. And I'm Sarah Safia. And today's guest is... Melvin! So Melvin, would you do the honors of introducing yourself? Hi everyone, I'm Melvin. I am doing my A-levels at KYUM and I am currently taking three sciences and single math. And I'm planning to pursue um, biological sciences in university. So it's a really broad um, study. It could be anything in biochemistry or like molecular biology or anything of that sort. So my first question for you is, do you face negative self-talk? Yeah, I think that's something that I face every day. I think that's, um, that's an uphill battle, to be honest. You know, like there's one side of me that says that, okay, Melvin, you're like good enough. Um, you're like amazing and all that. And then there's this um, evil side of myself that keeps telling me that, okay, um, you know what? No, you're nothing. You're nobody. And, you know, like nobody wants you and all that. So, yeah, I definitely face negative self-talk a lot. And it, I think it really depends on the environment that I'm present in at the moment. So like, you know, if I'm with like friends who are there, like reassure me, then, you know, I don't feel so bad. But, you know, sometimes when you're alone and you let those like intrusive thoughts get into your mind, then, um, yeah, you will face negative self-talk. So how the way you overcome negative self-talk is through having a support system, is that? Yeah, I think that's definitely something that um, you should have, um, you know, like friends there to cheer you on. But I think sometimes it's also very important for you to like, um, you know, take a step back and then think about all the small achievements that you've um, achieved in your daily life. And I think those are things that are worth celebrating too. And that really helps you to like convince yourself that, you know, you're not that bad of a person and, you know, there's still good things to look for in life. So, yeah, I would say that these two are the things that I use to overcome negative self-talk. So, like, you talked about like the environment you're surrounded in, right? So right now in KY, since it's like so competitive, do you ever feel like an imposter? Sure, I think, um, yeah, I think since the start of KY, like as a junior, I've always felt imposter syndrome. Like I felt like I did not belong here, even though I was a scholar, because I just realized that, you know, Malaysia's best students are actually in KY. And it's tough. I see people like, you know, grinding their, their studies and all that on a daily basis. And then they get like amazing scores in like even tracking tests and exams. And then for me, I mean, like I did, I spend more of my time on like extracurricular activities. So I think on the academic side, um, I mean, it's not bad, but I certainly cannot compare to people like, you know, Eric and all that because like that's that's just like insane in his academics but yeah i think ky is a pretty competitive environment definitely <laughs> i don't know if you feel the same way like 
feel like I don't belong here sometimes because of yeah. everyone's so good here. That's why. And then I I can't like I never knew that you always felt that way because like yeah. you seem like a person who was so at the top yeah. of everything. I think that's. I mean, okay. I think it's human nature to always compare yourself with people who are better than you. And I think when I came to KY, that that's the same thing that happened. Like. I mean, even though I'm doing quite well, but there's always going to be people who are better than you at something because that's what they've been always good at since like, you know, they were young or, or something. But I tend to look at it um, differently nowadays. I take it as a learning opportunity. Like maybe, for example, if you say like, oh, someone plays the violin better than me, then um, yeah, so be it. Why not? I learn from that person to, you know, maybe improve myself. Or, you know, if someone is um, better in like, biology than me then um i don't think there's any wrong in like you know asking him or her for help you know teaching you on concepts that you are weak in yeah i think it's a learning mindset that's more important when you come to like super competitive environment and i can imagine it's the same when you go to university where it's an even bigger pond than what it currently is so ky is like a good starting place for you to like get accustomed to that feeling that okay you know what you're not the best but you are here to learn so yeah, I think that's a very important mindset to have. Yeah, I cannot agree more though, the fact that humility plays such a big part in learning. So like you you're saying that what's important is like to shift our mindset, right? So that we don't compare ourselves to other people. Yeah. So like what's the first step to like changing this mindset? Because that's what a lot of people struggle with, right? This is a very deep question. <laughs> the point <laughs> hmm. i think for me in the first place um when i just came to ky i actually met like a, a group of friends and then like they were also like really good in like their subjects so like i think they were better than me in like you know chemistry and, and all that and then um at that time i also signed up for like um the selection test for the international chemistry olympiad and I think that was the time where I started to like realize that, you know, maybe my chemistry is um, not that good. But I think the, the change of mindset sort of like came naturally because like if you are surrounded by friends who are better than you, you don't actually see them as a threat. I would say like, okay, maybe sometimes you would tend to compare yourself to them, but um, it really depends on the friends that you get. You know, if your friends are like, you know, really down to earth and humble and you know, even if they are better than you, they don't mind like, you know, studying together with you and helping you. I think that's a very important um, precursor to help you like get past that barrier, you know, to like stop comparing yourself with others. Um, friends who are better than you um, actually help you shift your mindset. I would, I would say like that's the, the first step that um, someone should do. La. Like, you know, surround yourself with people who are better, but at the same time, they are there to also support you. And then that's how you recognize that, you know, I'm here to learn. I'm not here to like lose to my friends and, you know, fight with them to the end, to the bitter end. Yeah. So I, I think that's, that's really important. Why, why do you think that we do? Like, how does a friend compared to a person like a stranger? Like, how does it like change the way you see things? Mm, I think as a friend, right, you get to see the, your friend's personality, you know, like they paint a picture of themselves. They, they show the human side of themselves. But if you just compare to like, for example, someone, some random person who made it to the news on like 
um, like star paper and all that and they are from like Sunway and you don't even know that person, you'll be like, wow, who, who even is this person? Why is he like so top? Like, you know, like there, there's so many questions in your mind and you feel like, oh, maybe I should have gone to Sunway la, or, or anything like that. Right. You, you don't know the complete picture of that person. You don't see the, the humane side of that person. So you tend to make assumptions. You tend to feel like, you know, oh, um, it must be because he was in a better environment or he had better teachers, X, Y, Z. But if it's your friend who is there to like, you know, fight together with you and go through what you're actually going through, I think that's, um, that's different. Um, that's, I think that's really true because like before this talk, I really thought you were that like, because we didn't know you personally, right? And we we like, sort of did what you did, like did what you said, which is like paint a picture of assumptions because we didn't know who you were. And then when you said about like the fact that you experienced all these negative, like these negative, Im yeah, imposter syndrome, yeah. it's like, it's a relieving, yeah. So you talked about like, assumptions just now. So what do you believe is like the biggest assumption that people make about you? I think most people who know me on the surface, like, you know, if they just see me walking past on the walkway or something, I think they would tend to think that I'm a very introverted and shy person, maybe even socially awkward. What? <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think I'm just like that to like strangers or like people who I'm not really close with. And I think that part of me is kind of true. But I think like my close friends or like people who like really know me, they would um, describe me as a bit um, crazy sometimes, <laughs> you know, extroverted, always the one to like suggest them to do like some stupid stuff and, and all that, try out some really weird things together. So yeah, I think the assumption people make about me is that, um, you know, I'm introverted, but I mean, in truth, if you get to know me, I'm actually quite an extroverted person. Do you think we should bother like with people's assumptions? Like, do we have to prove something when people assume something about us? Personally, I, I used to care about what people think about me and what people assume about me. And maybe I try very hard to like, you know, get them to not think that way. But I think there comes a certain point in life where you just feel like, you know what, um, I, don't have to, I don't have to care anymore. Um, if people don't appreciate you for who you are, then um, you, know, you don't have to care. Because there are so many people who actually like, care for you and you know, actually recognize you for who you are but i do recognize the importance of you know trying to like you know fit in and make people accept you especially in like the workplace or like in a in the in a in a university especially if you're just like a new student there it's um, very important to blend in but i think once you found your clique of friends it doesn't really matter that much of what people think about you anymore have you ever experienced changing yourself to just fit into society standards or just to make some new friends for example I think I found my friend group, but at the same time, I think that um, I have in KY right. I have very, I have a very large and diverse um, group of friends. I mean, usually I hang out with like these few people, but I'm also quite good with like many other like so-called gangs of people uh, that I try to like blend in, and that sort of worked out. But I think as time um, went by, it's a bit difficult for you to keep up with so many friends at the same time. Um, I wouldn't say I cut down on my friendships and all that, but you know, I just like started spending time more with the friends who I'm most comfortable with. Yeah. I understand though, it's quite draining sometimes when you try to like yeah. be friends with everyone. Yeah, true, true, true. Especially like in KY, like anytime you just want to go cafe, you can just like, oh, jump cafe. 
And then you end up spending like, oh, two hours talking and all that. Then by the time you come back home, you're like, oh, no, I haven't studied for physics tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's very true in KY, I'd say. Have you ever experienced like losing friends because of this? Like because you wanted to focus on yourself? I wouldn't say I actually like lost friends, but starting in century, right? I didn't like hang out as much with my um friends. I remember in Sem 1 and Sem 2, we would always like um eat dinner together, you know, we would like notify like, okay, we're going to the DH now and all that. But I think in Sem 3, like, you know, we all got caught up with like university applications and all that. So instead of like um pre-booking and saying oh we are going to the DH at 6.30 and all that everything just started happening by chance you know like if I met my friends at the DH then I would like oh okay let's sit together and you know, catch up but you know if I don't then um, you know it's really fine you just yeah just sit anywhere and then like yeah go back and continue like studying la. so it's not to say that I lost friends but maybe it grew sort of a bit distant but at the same time we still keep in touch with each other and we're still like really close and that's how you know they're true friends, right? Yeah, mm. true, true. Can I ask like about insecurities again? Yeah. Like, can you share a time when like insecurities stopped you from doing what you really wanted to do and wanted to try? And does it hinder you today? Yeah, I think for me, there's like three types of insecurities. I would say for for me personally, I think number one is emotional. Then number two is like um extracurricular wise like um the activities that you choose to do the passions that you choose to pursue and number three of course is academic insecurities so i think as i mentioned before like for emotional insecurities you know i used to feel like a bit left out you know like um i didn't have like many true friends but when i came to ky that sort of um changed and then i tried to like make more friends find my clique of friends and all that and then, um, you know, I started socializing and joining all the fun events in KY. And I felt that by doing that, it was overcoming my emotional insecurities. But I think in truth, it actually fed into my academic and also extracurricular insecurities. It sort of made it worse lah, in a way. Like for my extracurriculars, I felt that, you know, when I came to KY, I didn't want to be like, in high school where I just focus on my goals, my ambitions and all that. I wanted to have a life, you know, have some fun with people. So I think that sort of like limited um, the activities that I chose to pursue. And I think that um, actually almost made me regret because um, uh, I think if you all know, I'm in the string orchestra, right? But actually in the first place, I wasn't in the string orchestra. So like when they first opened the application, right? I felt like, oh, I mean, like, there's going to be so many people who is more talented than me. And then, like, you know, maybe I shouldn't waste time on it again because I've already done, like, orchestra and all that back in, like, high school. So, at first, I didn't choose to sign up. But I would, I would confidently say that if I didn't sign up, I would um, regret it today. Because I think by joining the orchestra, it not only, like, rekindled my passion for, like, music, but it also made me find a really um, good group of friends. So I think that sort of insecurity sort of like hindered me. But I'm thankful that I didn't like, you know, pushed on with that insecurity. And I took a leap of faith and I joined the orchestra and I didn't regret it. And um, yeah, about academic insecurities, I think that because of all these things that I'm pursuing, 
I didn't manage to like realize my true academic potential in KY. I think it's because I had more time. So I explored like, a lot of stuff outside of the syllabus. I did like the um, SAT and also SAT subject tests before I came to KY. But when I came to KY, I sort of felt like I didn't have the chance to, you know, just take a book from the library and then indulge in it for five hours. Yeah, that, that sort of like lifestyle of mine didn't um, continue anymore. And I think that's um, one of the academic insecurities that I still have to this day. What books are necessarily is it like academic, like related to A-levels? Not only A-levels, but like beyond the syllabus kind of content. Yeah, I think I didn't have the chance to like do that a lot in KY. So like you now given up on that? Um, not really. I mean, I still want to like um, continue to foster my intellectual curiosity because I think going to university, it would um, really challenge you if you haven't like, you know, get the basics right and then you haven't like studied some of the content that they are going to cover first. I think if you go over there, you're going to struggle a lot. So I plan to start reading all those like extra uh, out of syllabus stuff again um, as soon as I have time. So I think like once I pass down like the clubs and all that to like the juniors, right, I think I'm going to have a lot more time to do that. Um, you know, um, besides studying, I get to read the interesting stuff that I like to read too. So I, I hope to accomplish that before I graduate from KY. You know, something that I'm experiencing right now is like academic insecurity. Is that like, if I, I, like, I will stop myself from trying to participate in like a lot of stuff because, because I think I'm not that competent in academics. So I think I need to like strike a balance, which is I have to prioritize academics more to catch up compared to others. So, so how do you think we should find the balance between like, choosing what we want, but then having to like fulfill our responsibilities? Um, if you are really interested in like something, even though like if it's a academic competition, then you feel like, oh, so many people are like so smarter than you that in KY, so um, why should it be you joining the competition, right, if you know you're going to lose? But I think that um, it, it really like it really doesn't matter if you really really love that thing then just go for it even though if you end up like losing right I think it's not considered a, lo a loss because you actually did what you liked and maybe you took away some lessons from that um, competition or that event right so yeah I think that it's um, really important for you to just do what you love and then um, don't worry about whether you're good in it or not because if you really love something I think you are going to put effort into it. You're going to give your 100% into it. So if your 100% is um, you know, good enough for you to win a prize, then yeah, it's good. But if it isn't quite enough for you to win a prize, it's fine also because at the end of the day, you still did something that you enjoyed. So I think you would generally feel happy from doing that. Like, talking about passion, like how did you find your passion? Like It's something that... A lot of us struggle with them to find true. our true passion, right? Yeah, I think for me, my passion is um, really in science. But at the same time, I've also found a passion in like helping people through science or through anything that I'm really interested in. I think since I was um, really young, I was, <coughs> I was really very interested in like science and all that. But I think it wasn't for like... A more nobler reason as in like you know saving people and all that i think when i was really young i was very obsessed with like iron man 
because like you know he was um he was rich um he was a genius and then you know he could do anything he want with um all the 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 money he has so like I, I wanted to be like iron man and i think that was actually my life my life goal when i was a kid which is a bit um childish i would say but then i started to like realize that you know you could actually use science not just for yourself but you could use it to like help others because like when i was in i think it was in form 2 i'm not really sure but uh, my aunt who take care of me she got dengue and then like you know that sort of like motivated me to like find a solution to like um you know eradicate mosquitoes from like our house and all that like. and then i think from there i really found my my passion in doing research and all that and it really um made me realize that you know science can be for you to help people you know it's not just only about yourself it's not only just about like iron man you know flying around and, and all that but you can actually create something to like help people and i think that that is the, the the true value of science you know it's for the betterment of society yeah so that's how i found my passion so would you say your passion of like helping people through science is like a purpose in your life or is that is it already have a different purpose in life yeah i think my main purpose in life is to you know do something that's beneficial for like humanity or something for the community and then maybe at the same time earning some money <laughs> I think for me the main purpose is to help people first and then you know like the money as long as I'm like financially stable and all that I think that's enough. So is that like your long term goal? You mean like helping people through science? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely my long term goal. But um I'm a bit concerned about like my future also currently because like um, you know, I have to like serve the bond and, and all that. So maybe at the end of the day, I might not end up as a scientist, but I still want to use like the knowledge that I applied to maybe, you know, like maybe inspire people through science, help help people to like, you know, get acquainted with STEM awareness and all that, you know, in, especially in underprivileged and like rural communities. So yeah, even though at the end of the day, it may not be doing research and all that, but I think there's still a way for you to help people through science. Mm. I like how you're so passionate yeah, about so really passionate. helping people. But then, like, for some people, including me, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a like, purpose. Obviously, like, we want to help people, right? A lot of people like, want yeah. to help people, but then they don't really know what exactly, how, like, how exactly they can help people because they don't, they didn't discover yet their passion, like, have yet to discover. How do you think people like me and others yeah. who share the same problem, like struggling to find the like, main purpose, like the way to reach your goal, like the purpose in life of helping or like serving people? Yeah, okay. This is a very tough question, I would say. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say that um, since we all still have time, right? And you know, we... If you're not really sure like how to best help people through like you know something you like i think it's fine to like you know just explore and like do a lot a lot of things especially in like um, universities um, u.s universities in particular i think that's uh, that's the perfect opportunity for you to like try out the many many different things that they have to offer and then from there you sort of like realize that oh maybe i'm actually quite good in economics and i could come up with like some policies to like help um, people break out of the cycle of poverty. So it's, it's really experimental, I would say. 
And then, you know, different um, people, they find their true passion or their true purpose in life in different stages of their life, I would say. So maybe mine came a little bit earlier, but it doesn't mean that everyone has to be the same. Like, oh, at the age of 18, you have to know what you're supposed to do in life, like what, what, what you're supposed to like, achieve in life. I think that's still like a very young age for us to, to set on our goals and like, okay, this is going to be the thing that I'm going to do until like, you know, I'm old and I retire. So I think it's perfectly fine to like, you know, just be confused at the moment, but take your time to like slowly explore all the different things that the world has to offer. And then at the end of the day, maybe you'll find something that you are interested in. And at the same time, you can help people through that. So like, you guys just finished STEM 3, right? Uni applications and all. And all the offers and rejections are coming in. So like, for example, like you were rejected from a school that you applied to. And then your friend got accepted into it. How does that does that like fuel into your insecurity? You believe so? Yeah, I, I can I can share my, my personal experience. Um I got rejected from Oxford last sem. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is that I didn't even get an interview offer for like Oxford. So yeah, at the time I was really like doubting myself. I was like, oh, could I be this bad? that I didn't even deserve an interview from like Oxford to see like you know whether I'm the real deal or not and then like you know at the same time I saw like, other people getting offers I mean getting interview offers and then you know um, ultimately getting offers from like Oxford and soon Cambridge I hope so like I think it did feed into my insecurities a little bit but at the same time I recognized that they are my friends and I should be like proud of them because they finally got what they dreamed for and you know maybe um maybe Oxford isn't meant for me. I yeah that, that's what I thought lah. Like I used to tell like my friends because like I remember there was a time where like they actually got rejected from like their their early decision early action or early decision universities. And then they were like telling me like, oh this is my dream school and all that. And then I I told them lah. I said that um you know if um your dream school doesn't want you, then they don't deserve to be in your dreams. Yeah, so like that, that's what I told them. Like, because like you deserve better, so aim higher and then you know maybe um your dreams should be something that is deserving of you. Yeah, so that that's what I told them. Like, and I think it worked. I think they sort of got over it. Yeah. Do you think that way because like it, somehow there's like a better like what we get is something like better for us? Is that how you feel? Like, is that how yeah. you think? Yeah, I think like if one avenue closes for you, right, let's say you get rejected from a university and then like, you know, there's always other ways for you to like, um, I mean, there's always other universities waiting for you, right? Okay, I mean, hopefully you don't get rejected from all the universities. <laughs> yeah, there's always a better avenue waiting for you. So I, I believe that, you know, like, like it's sort of like fate, but at the same time, you can control it. But, you know, if something is not, for you, then it's not for you, but there's always something better waiting for you. Yeah. So you believe that everything that happens happens for a reason? Yeah, I think everything happens happens for a reason, but it's not that you should just like let everything go and then like, oh, um, okay, if I get then okay, if I don't get then um, um, <laughs> not okay. But yeah, like like that there are certain things that we can control in life, so I think we should focus on those things that we can control. And then for those things that are already out of our control, then we shouldn't worry too much about it. Is there something like in the past where you really felt 
like you were so disappointed in yourself and then now when you look at it there was so many benefits from not getting that hmm. i think there are a few things but um not getting um shortlisted for like the jpa scholarship i think that was <laughs> that was a bit um disappointing for me because i i couldn't believe that like the reason i got like we like not shortlisted was because i didn't get an a plus in moral so like how do you know the reason though like you have to get all a plus or like something like that right to get shortlisted like 9 a plus only yeah i got 9 a plus but I think moral was one of their compulsory subjects to get A plus. So yeah, I'm not really sure, but yeah, I wasn't shortlisted. And then um, I checked like the courses that they offered, right? Like like nanotech and all that. Then I was wondering like, what does moral have to do with like biotech or like nanotech? And then yeah, yeah, at the time I was a bit like I was a bit um, disappointed lah. But um, I think that. Um, not getting shortlisted into like JPA and like ultimately getting shortlisted for I mean getting the offer for like the Kazana scholarship. Right? I think that's that really gave me much more benefits uh, in in life. But how do you feel like it has affected your life like that? Like that path that has been closed for you, like it opened up a new one, right? Yeah. So how do you feel like it has played a role in your life, like shaping you to who you are now? Not being shortlisted for that scholarship, right? It sort of like um made me realize that um you know like maybe um if that thing is like not meant for you right um there's like there's still other scholarships that you can look forward to and I think like having that mindset is like really really important and that's one of the that's one of the lessons that like made me like aware lah like you know if you get rejected there's always something waiting behind the 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 curtains for you to explore and to reach out. Too, and then you just have to try harder. I actually applied for two scholarships, no three actually, like Shell, Petronas, and also like um, Kazana. And then I got rejected straight out from Petronas. Like there, there was there wasn't even a, a test or anything. For like Shell, I reached the last stage, and then I got rejected. And then for Kazana, I got it. Like for us, right? We shouldn't limit ourselves to only one option. So always have a, a backup plan or backup to a backup. And then um always make sure that that plan actually like works. And then even though if it doesn't work, um there's still always something waiting for you. You just have to like um reach out and make sure that you get it. Yeah. Okay, I want to go on to another topic, which is like we talked about insecurities, right? And I think one thing that I experienced is like when I have self doubt, I'm having insecurities. And then sometimes the way I overcome that is to to have confidence, right? To overcome insecurities is to be confident in yourself. But at times. You sometimes misuse, like somehow, some somehow reach a level of pride and like being excessively proud of yourself and thinking that it's confidence. Have you ever experienced that, or yeah? Yeah, I think for me, right, I would think of pride as more of something like self-esteem. So for me, the definition for like pride isn't you going around and like boasting to others that oh, you know, I'm like I'm the top in this, I'm the best, you know. Um, that's why you should be my friend or something. <laughs> yeah, I think like for me, um, pride is more of um a way of self validation, a way of like telling yourself that, you know, I'm actually quite amazing. I'm actually quite good in what I do. I'm worthy of like something, like maybe a prize that you you want or something. You are actually worthy of that. But to differentiate between pride and confidence, right? I think my my uncle he told me about it before. I think he sums it up pretty good. He said that. If you know that you are 
able to do that thing, you are capable of doing that thing, um, that is not called um, arrogance or like, you know, pride. That is called confidence. So like, you, you know that you are able to get the job done. So that's why you are confident. You are confident of your abilities. You are confident of your, um, your skills and all that in getting that thing done. So he said that's not considered as like, you know, arrogance. He said arrogance is more of like, um, you, you're not really sure that you can get the thing done, but you just want to tell the whole world that, okay, you know what, I can get anything done, I can get everything done, and that's why I'm supreme, I'm above others, and you know, I deserve this over someone else. I think that's the, the main um, differentiator between like, you know, um, arrogance, you know, pride, and also like confidence. Yeah. Wow, that's a pretty good explanation. Like, like you talked about like high and confidence, right? So, how about like, for example, you base yourself with some of the things you achieve? For example, like the good grades you achieve or the high ECA marks you got or something. Have you ever experienced that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think um, since I was in high school, right, I feel like achievement, uh, getting like all those achievements, right, was like a form of like, happiness like it, it gave me happiness it it um it made me feel happy i felt validated by those achievements but i think in the long run it's a very toxic mindset to 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 think of it that way like you know life is only about winning you know the more you win the more happy you get you know the more money you get the more happier you get i think at, at a certain point in time you would feel like that those things don't bring you happiness anymore like sure it another like another list another award to your long list of like achievements and then it, it sort of just like numbs you down so i think at that point um it, it really doesn't like matter for you to like you know get more achievements or like get more money you know like tying your happiness and your self-worth to like those two things is going to actually harm you in the long run because you know it just numbs you down it just numbs all your emotions down and then you just feel like oh what is there to look for in life anymore other than like you know winning and all that but I think um, a, a better way of like you know tying your happiness is tying it with the things that you know you enjoy or the people you love spending time with and I think in the in the long run it would actually bring you true happiness true um, self-fulfillment I would say so yeah I would say that you know um, happiness shouldn't come with achievements but instead you should um, feel happy because you genuinely feel happy out of like the interactions you have with your friends, the fun things you do with them, um, you know, the ups and downs you go through with them. Yeah, I think that's the true like meaning of like self-worth and like self-happiness. Yeah. You know, I have a, like some people in my life who they go through those, like that's those failures, like you said, and then it changed your mindset, right? For some people, like I realized that even though they go through that failure, they still like, to that mindset that my my worth is based on my achievement and then it never changes even though they go through all these things and then they will complain and they will like feel disappointed every time it happens and over and over and over again it's like how do you think like what advice you could give to these types of people um like through like every like defeat i would say like every loss that i had um, be it in like competitions or like scholarship applications or like a bad grade and all that i think it sort of like slowly taught me to accept that achievements is not the only thing that can make you happy 
but there's so many more things in life that you can look forward to that actually makes you happy like learning how to ride a bicycle and then like going to meet udang with your friends yeah i think that i think that that actually like um it was a slow transformation for me lah but at the end like um, it sort of just came naturally like oh okay um winning stuff doesn't um necessarily make you happy but it's the connections it's the interactions with people that actually matter let me ask you back a question first because since you said you know those people right yeah. so why do you think those people choose to like you know not go out of that circle like like why do they choose not to like you know jump out of that I honestly don't know why because like I always say the same I would say the positive things that it was things happen for a reason and then there will be like a better thing that is waiting for you out there but then somehow it just doesn't click sometimes I struggle with like how I do I exactly help this friend of mine cuz you know there's like a lot of people who suffer from especially my best friend she's she's like like that and then sometimes I feel sad for her cuz I want to help but then I don't really know how. Okay, I think this is a very <laughs> this is a very very tough but I think trying to convince people is a, a very hard thing because like I I believe that change has to come from within. It has to truly come from within like no matter how much that first like no matter how much you try to help that person if that person doesn't like doesn't want to change or isn't receptive to like your your help then at the end of the day they are still going to be what they are previously so i mean like we can try everything we want but at the end of the day if they don't accept our help i think we really can't do anything about that like for example like if there's a drowning man in in like a flooded area and then he asks god for help and then like god says that oh here's a raft and he was like uh I thought there was something like better to save me like to increase my chances of like success. And then oh god sends a car and then he sends an aeroplane or like he even sends like a rescue team and then the guy keeps saying oh no no there's still something better waiting for me. And then he keeps asking god for help but at the end of the day he drowns because because I mean like god has already given him everything but he can't he can't see that. He couldn't see beyond um that. He thought that you know it was going to be something like you know divine help to like actually like lift him out magically from from the the water so i think that's not going to happen and a lot of people need to like get that mindset that you know if you don't help yourself nobody can actually help you yeah so that basically what the analogy is saying is like the only person that can help you is like yourself yeah like your friends can like make you see the different side of the argument and all that but at the end of the day if you still can't convince yourself to like you know flip the tables and like flip those arguments and then like change your mindset then you're still going to like remain in that well no matter how many how much people try to help you so i think sometimes it's about how you look at things and everybody looks at things differently but you know like if those people they still choose to like not um look beyond you know like winning stuff and making them happy then it's okay i wouldn't to say it more like crudely it's their problem but at the end of the day yeah we we've already tried our best so yeah Yeah, true. Okay, so what advice would you give to your teen self with what you know now? I think for my younger self, I would tell him to get a life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like yeah, I mean like in high school, right? I mean, I had friends, but I felt like 
because of like the, the, the activities that I pursued and all that, I didn't really have much time. So especially in like Form 3 and Form 4, I was always not in class. I was always like outside of class. I was always like going to the lab and like doing research and all that. Or, you know, even if it's not research, it's probably some school event. And then I was like, oh, can I duty and all that. And just sign the permission paper and then, okay, I'll just like leave class. So I feel like I lacked like um, genuine like connections with my classmates during those times. Like I didn't really bonded with them. So I would say that if I was younger, I would definitely want my younger self to like, you know, hang out with my friends more. And then like, you know, whenever they are judged to go for like hangouts, I should definitely say yes. And then, you know, go out and like lip out with them and all that. Because like then I used to think that, you know, like my goal was the only thing that I wanted to work on and all that. But now when I came to college, I realized that, you know, um, friends also matter. And then, you know, like it's, it's those like friendships that actually get you through the tough times. So yeah, I think that's, that's, um, that's what I would tell my younger self. Coming back to our topic of insecurity, what do you believe is like the root of insecurity for most people? And like, how do we overcome that? Okay. Mm, this is a bit interesting, but I think like the insecurity that we all have, it actually stems from, it could actually stem from our environment. Like let's say um, we are put in a very like negative environment, like you know, like maybe your parents or your friends are always like um, criticizing you and saying that, okay, um, you know what, your brother is so much better than you and, and all that, like you know, you, you, don't, you don't deserve our love and care and, and all that. So I think that that sort of environment really feeds into your insecurities. It really makes you feel like, you know, you're not worth a cent and all that. And at the same time, it could also come from like within. Like um, you, you tend to like look at people and then you compare people to yourself and then you feel like, oh, there are so many people who are better than me. I, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve that. And then, yeah, yeah, I, I would say that insecurity actually stems from like two reasons. One is external factors and one is like internal factors. Like how do you think that one, one should overcome it, like this feeling of insecurity? I think um, to overcome those like insecurities, right, um, I think we should like um, have the mindset that, you know, every small achievement that you have in life is something worth celebrating. Like maybe today you managed to reach class early. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a small achievement and then um, you should feel proud of it too. And like, um, you know, like, you manage to like um, um, survive eating ikan curry. Okay, this is just my <laughs> eating ikan curry without like you know like like vomiting out and all that. I think that's a small achievement too. And then like you know we should like celebrate those like small things in life because I think it's those like finer details in life that actually like bring you like happiness and all that instead of like you know just. Focusing on like academics, extracurriculars, uni university applications, and, and all that. What's wrong with Ikanglee? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a. I don't know. I think it's a Penang problem, but yeah, like we generally don't eat Ikanglee. Like, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like I, I personally don't eat Ikanglee. Like, I, cannot, I cannot accept it. Wow. This is the first time I'm hearing this. And I think a lot of my friends also, they don't eat Ikanglee also. From Penang? Not only Penang, like my Chinese friends also, I, I think they don't, they don't really eat ikan curry. Yeah, my mom also doesn't eat ikan curry. Yes. It, it the reason is because it looks disgusting, like, yeah. that's what she said. But it's so good though. <laughs> it's so good, especially with the sambal. But then when you said about like celebrating these small things, right? Sometimes like, I think we're so obsessed with hitting these big goals mm -hmm. in life. 
and we feel to see that life is more than just achieving these big goals like how should one balance that that perspective like striving to be the best like some people like strive to be the best and hit those big goals but then like what which one do you think is better like hitting like just celebrating everything about life like even the small things or celebrating when you hit these big goals and like that's what you're aiming for yeah i think it really depends on like that person's personality so like i mean like everybody they have different goals in life like maybe some people they just want to be like um an accountant or like they just want to like you know um get a stable government job to like you know help their family and all that but some people they dream big they they want to like change the world they want to like you know become the next bill gates or like the next elon musk and all that so i think it really depends on each person's like personality but i think for like those people who really aim aim big um you know we oftentimes fall short of like those goals and all that like not everyone can become bill gates right yeah. so i think it comes at a point where um you need to have a balance you know between like celebrating those small things with your family with your friends and all that and at the same time striving to achieve your goals but i think if you like fall short on those like big goals celebrating those small things would be your support system to get past like those failures i would say was there a time where you like didn't celebrate all these small achievements of yours and you felt like oh this failure like determines my future like something like that uh in sem 2 when i got a b for chemistry and also like i got um i only got into like the top 50 for the chemistry olympiad selection I think that was the time where I really like I really felt like you know I fell short of my 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 so called like big goals because I always like felt that chemistry was my best subject and then like when that um when those things happen it sort of convinced me otherwise that oh maybe chemistry is not uh is not meant for me and, and all that 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 was like um a low point in my life and then like I I I didn't look at like the small things that You know, I usually like take pride in celebrating and all that. Yeah, I think it was quite uh, I wouldn't say depressed, but it was quite a rough like time for me back then. But um, I mean, my friend told me, like he said that, would you rather like you know getting into like the chemistry Olympiad and then like you know getting A stars, um, over like you know like um doing like stuff like as in like serving the community and and all that like like what actually brings you joy. And then I had time to reflect on those like questions that my friend asked me, and then in the end I felt like you know there was an opportunity cost lah. Like if um I had spent more time studying, maybe I could get an A or I could get into the Olympiad. But at the same time, I wouldn't have that much time to like focus on like you know helping people, like working on those like education inequity projects and and all that, right? So at the end, I realized the choice that I made um isn't wrong and. I just had to look at it from like a different way like you know um chemistry okay uh chemistry isn't isn't it's not to say that chemistry is not meant for me but it's just that I'm just allocating my time towards something that I think is more important and something that I hold more dearly to I'm sorry what what degree are you studying um I'm actually planning to do like molecular biology but it's it's it goes along lines of like biochemistry and all that so it's generally under like the life sciences 
but there is chemistry and bio. I'm yes. guessing like both of those are the main. Yes. Yeah, those are the main components. So even though you felt at that time that you weren't like deserving of chemistry, like you yeah. didn't do the best, but then you still like overcame that and chose to do a degree that's related, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think in SEM3 it got better. Like, I mean, at least I got an A for chemistry. <laughs> I think it's just a matter of time, like how you, how you divide the time between like doing the things you love and at the same time like maintaining your academics. So I think maybe in SEM2, I sort of fell short of that. Maybe my time management didn't work that well. But I think in SEM3, I sort of like shifted a few things and then like it started working. And yeah, I, I started like believing that, okay, maybe chemistry is still meant for me. Yeah. Do you think that we sh if something was meant for us, we should be good at it? Or we can still be like average? And... Okay. Um, I have something very interesting to share. Um, I personally, I really love playing like video games and all that. But if you ask if I'm a pro player, I'm definitely not. Like, yeah, if, if you ask my friends in like Valorant, right? <laughs> I always end up like in the last place. Yeah, and then like, like yeah, I'm, I'm a really, really bad player in like esports and, and all that. But do I think video games are meant for me? I think yes, it's definitely meant for me because it's something that I love doing, right? But yeah, you, you don't necessarily have to be like world-class in the things that you love doing. But as long as you get joy out of doing that, I think that's the most important thing. This was such an insightful session and we certainly learned a lot from it, right? So like to end this session, like would you give us a phrase that encapsulates your whole journey? Um, it would be to do whatever you love just pursue your passions don't care about what others think about you and then the rest will come naturally like you know you just trust the process just do those things that you really love and don't worry too much and then at the end of the day i'm sure that you'll become a much happier person than you are before i love that <laughs> i think i repeated that in the previous episode but it's okay. <laughs> all right thank you. thank you so much thank you so much, thank you so much everyone